August 4th, 1914, Great Britain declared war on Germany. The Commonwealth of Australia joined on August 5th and submitted a force under the command of General Bridges. This was the first Australian Imperial force. The night was pitch black on the Dardanelles. There was a sense of foreboding. The Aegean Sea was becalmed. It was the morning of April 25th, 1915. In the quiet, the four battalions of the 3rd Australian Brigade started moving over the sides of three British warships and they went towards shore and destiny. In the dark, they jumped into a living hell. The landing didn't go well. The first boats with the covering force became bunched up and landed about a mile north of the intended landing beach. Ashore, they crawled up cliffs and battled through scrub-filled gullies in the face of massive gunfire from the waiting Ottoman forces. Leslie Devine of the 4th Battalion wrote in his diary this. The 4th Australian Infantry Battalion landed between 11 and 12 under hot shrapnel fire. We left the Lake Michigan and embarked on a destroyer being packed like sardines. We are now under shell fire continuously. Shells fell all around us while the destroyers raced towards the beach. Within a few hundred yards, we eased down and were transferred to boats in which we rode through a curtain of shrapnel fire. These were the Anzacs. This was Gallipoli that they were sent to capture. The war was nine months old, with the alliance of Germany, Austria-Hungary, Bulgaria and the Ottoman Empire faced up against France, Russia and the British Empire. Things weren't going well for the Allies. The Germans were moving towards Paris and the English Channel. In the east, the Russians were doing badly. It was in this cesspool of desperation that the idea of Gallipoli was born. The strategy, if the Allies could capture Constantinople, open the Black Sea Straits for Russia and launch a massive operation through the Balkans, the war might be over soon. Lloyd George and Winston Churchill were convinced that the control of the Dardanelles would bring victory. As it turned out, it brought defeat. The Gallipoli Allied campaign involved troops from Australia, New Zealand, Britain, British India, France and Newfoundland, with over 100,000 killed on all sides. The campaign was brutal. But was it a defeat for the Anzacs? The Herald newspaper in Melbourne on July 6, 1915 carried a story about the Gallipoli campaign under the headline, New Glory in Gallipoli. The story argued that what may at first appear a defeat was an Australian victory, brilliantly won. It referred to the attempt to drive our troops into the sea, which was defeated with tremendous Turkish losses. Even the withdrawal could not be seen as a dramatic failure, but rather as a remarkable organisational feat. And the withdrawal wasn't started in the mood of defeat, but rather that the fighting was at a stalemate. In Turkey, it's regarded as a defining moment in the history of that state. 
A final surge in the defence of the motherland of the Ottoman Empire as it retreated. The struggle formed the basis for the Turkish War of Independence and the declaration of the Republic of Turkey eight years later. Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, who rose to prominence as a commander at Gallipoli, became its founder and president. The campaign is considered by many to be the beginning of Australian and New Zealand national consciousness. At Gallipoli, the Victoria Cross was awarded to nine Australians and one New Zealander. They were Lance Corporal Albert Jacker, Lance Corporal Leonard Casaw, Lieutenant William John Simons, Corporal Alexander Stuart Burton, Lieutenant Frederick Harold Tubb, Corporal William Dunstan, Private John Hamilton, Captain Alfred John Shout, Second Lieutenant Hugo Vivian Hope Throssell, Lieutenant Colonel Cyril Royston Guyton Bassett. In our history, Australian men and women have laid down their lives in 15 major wars and conflicts, making the ultimate sacrifice for their country. The concept of total war can be a hard one to comprehend from the safety of Australia. From the Department of Veterans Affairs presentation, Their Service, Our Heritage, World War I veteran Fred Strutt recalls the realities of total war. We were sent into the line of trenches and they were mostly excavated in mud. Sometimes you'd slip off a duckboard and you'd be up to your knees almost in mud, clinging, stinking, bloody mud, composed mainly of the blood and guts of your predecessors in those places. And that's all the bloody line was, blood and guts everywhere. And for a young boy as I was then, I was only 16, I said, bloody well, be proud of the fact that I was there. I wasn't proud. I was bloody frightened. I was scared bloody stiff. And I tried to eradicate it from memory. But it's not possible to eradicate some of those things. When you step down out of a, a watching tower and you put your big, heavy clad boots down in what you think is a piece of firm ground and it happens to be. There should be a man with his chest exposed and you step right onto his bloody chest and you can hear the crackling of the bones. We all remember the Ode of Remembrance. It is part of Anzac Day and Remembrance Day in Australia. The two verses quoted come from Robert Lawrence Binion's longer poem, For the Fallen. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. But the going down of the sun, and in the morning, 
we will remember them, lest we forget. Thank <laughs> you.